This is Dan Libby, one-fifth of YFC, and you are listening to this week's episode of Infinite Rewind. Yeah, Libby, if you hosted if you hosted a, a Thursday night 11 p.m. radio show, mm. would it be music or would it be a talk show? It would be music. It with, would be music with no talking. With me talking like this in between songs. <laughs> Guiding you through the night. Oh, sexy voice. Yeah, it'll just be, yeah, oh yeah. I could run um, Magic 106.7 and talk like that, for sure. For sure. Just soft rock to rock you to bed. It's interesting that there's probably a population of, of, of babies that are out there just walking the earth today that were conceived to some guy or some woman curating some midnight playlist, like... Yeah, what if you just didn't have records like that back in the day? All you had was a radio. True. You had to throw the radio on and Uberfax. Hope, hope, pray to God that whoever was there was going to be giving you the business. Mm. So, well, gentlemen, I would like to start today's show with a with a big welcome to uh, to the show. So we're wrapping up our the last week of our neo soul cycle um for those tuning in welcome to infinite rewind i'm joined by my compadres mr aldo frias rocking the buddha palms right now and my other man mr benny bathrobes aka steve jobs ish and aka mr benjamin cabrera which is his real name these are my guys um bandmates brothers and music uh good friends of mine and, and i'm dan libby i'm just also known as lucky libby recently dubbed by my man benny bath so yeah um that doesn't sound as cool no it doesn't benny, benny bath does not sound as good as, it sounds like you know like when uh, the road runner like fall, runs off the cliff and looks down and there's no more like rock oh, there yeah. anymore oh, yeah here. some wily coyote shit yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um but yeah, uh, I'm just going to jump right into it guys. Um <laughs> this last week we review or listened to an album to review tonight um by D'Angelo. Um the album's Black Messiah. D'Angelo's his first album in 14 years since his last one which was released in 2000 and titled Voodoo. Um, and five years before that was his breakthrough album, Brown Sugar, in 1995. D'Angelo spilled onto the scene with his buttery R&B smoothness and um, really be, like was propelled into the stratosphere as a sex symbol after his untitled music video, which was on the Voodoo album. Um, you know, I think as we talked about last week when we reviewed the Maxwell album, I'm not, I wasn't, well, I might have heard the name D'Angelo before, like I'd heard Maxwell by name. I certainly hadn't intentionally listened to their music or his music in this case. Uh, so I really didn't know anything about it going into this, just completely blind, just like approaching the Maxwell album. Um so, like I said, I can't say I've ever really intentionally listened to him or his work, but from what I gather, both of you fine gentlemen are familiar, maybe some more than others, uh, with his work. So, just to start this off, was this album 
Representative D'Angelo as you know him. Um, again, granted, I'm just going to point out the obvious. It was his first album in 14 years. You know, it was this instantly recognizable and said, oh, man, this is D'Angelo. This is just how I remembered him. He's right back on it. Or is this something different? Um, or is it something in between? So I want to open that one up to discussion. Uh, <clears throat> was it, it was reminiscent of D'Angelo, for sure. Some of the songs. Most of the songs were reminiscent of what I was accustomed to uh, for D'Angelo. Some of the songs were a little more rock heavy, which it was something relatively newer for him. Um, but I think it's dope that, um, you know, this is neo soul music. And I, and I, and I got to mention this actually, because this is coming to mind now. Uh, so D'Angelo and Questlove, who's the main drummer throughout this album, <clears throat> they're both part of this collective um, called the Soul Quarians. I don't know if you guys are familiar with them. So it consists of them, uh, also Jay Dilla, Q-Tip, a, a few other uh, Aquarius uh, guys. And this is kind of going off topic, but it, it does kind of tie in. But uh, yeah, I think I think it's dope <clears throat> how uh, most of the songs, the drums were played very Dilla-esque. Uh, Jay Dilla. Um, you know, of course, that was played by Quest Love. So yeah, it's a... It's a Many many of the parts of the album was kind of a uh, almost a homage to the early neo soul sound and influence. To which D'Angelo was a pioneering. Correct. Uh, D'Angelo and the Soul Quarians that I mentioned they they were a huge. Erica Badu being another Soul Quarian. There's a lot of like a lot of the neo soul uh, originators, if you will, were part of uh, the Soul Quarians. Okay. Yeah, there were moments where it did feel like some of these tracks could have come off of Brown Sugar, some of these tracks could have come off of Voodoo. Uh, Voodoo. Uh, but to me, the, the two biggest differences were, were the production and his experimentation with his vocal delivery. So, you know, we listened to Maxwell. Most of us probably are familiar with uh, at least two of Maxwell's albums at this point. Um, I think the smoothness of Maxwell is something that I would also sometimes attribute to D'Angelo in the early 2000s. Like it was smooth, sexy, and it was taking a lot of notes from hip hop at the time. I think um, I think it was DJ Premier who he actually produced a few of the songs. DJ Premier was like, if you think of like Nas, Illmatic, early 90s hip hop, like <laughs> DJ Premier, he was like the guy production wise then. And he produced a few of D'Angelo's tracks on uh, Voodoo. So the the like automated drum part of Neo Soul is something that to me I, I connect those very much. Like it's R and B but with like drum machines. So when I heard this 2014 D'Angelo, it's not really drum machine. It's very live instrumentation. So that it differs in that sense. Like it does feel like I mean I'm pretty sure that the Vanguard is the band. So like the band was playing a lot of this stuff. I don't think there were a lot of drum machine loops here. Uh, right. But man, like songs like a thousand deaths and some of the stuff he was doing on betray my heart um his vocals delivery and like there's 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 times where it feels like the band is either like swallowing him up and he's just like experimenting with vocals trying to like reach to the surface or the band is like uh, like the mario cloud just carrying him wherever he wants to go uh, but i did feel like he was experimenting a lot with his vocal delivery on this album so yeah it was it was kind of like Imagine if you left Salem in 2007 and didn't come back till now. 
like it would still feel like some of it was similar but a lot would be different and that's kind of how i felt listening to this like there were similarities to like the 99 2000 d'angelo uh but i felt like there was more of an experimentation uh which i think is a positive definitely i think if you just tried to make another voodoo people you know the old heads would be like nice perfect i remember this like when i was in high school but i think there's space here for some new d'angelo fans to to appreciate it cool i um yeah so i for me it something completely unrecognizable right so you're going into it for the first time just like with maxwell and i feel like with the maxwell album it just set a groove right away you know it's easy to slip into and it kind of set this like tone sort of like this is where you're gonna be and then we'll go down this gentle slide into something a little bit slower tempo lower tempo but then you're gonna come back up there wasn't anything that was really like bang in your face so this album when you just fast jump over to d'angelo i was feeling it was well first knowing the gap in time and how much time can like time can change sound because there's so much that goes on just externally that can influence your music uh as far and also plus production um that it's may or chances are between the time between the, the the last album and this one just in my head of thinking that it's not going to sound the same it's not going to be the same there's going to be difference there's going to be variations but again, I have no backdrop on that. It's just a guesswork. So going into this, I was thinking, you know, is he trying to revitalize that 90s neo-soul sound that will sound a lot like Maxwell, knowing I have no background in D'Angelo. So I'm just kind of like, maybe I'll just notice the key difference. Maybe D'Angelo's voice is higher, you know, or a little more rangy, or is it just like a style, like a groove style? But no, like it came right out and it was like, like the first song, Ain't That Easy, was, it had like a rock punch to it. I, I felt like it was just kind of like in your face, a little bit more gritty. Uh, and then it, it just kind of set the tone for me. It wasn't like this buttery smoothness. It was just canvas and throwing. Uh, I, it wasn't con like uncontrolled. It was just like a controlled chaos. It kind of was a, 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 a ball of like sounds that was just amorphous and it's tough to contain, but it was somehow holding itself together. Um, yeah, I guess the thing that, that got me is right. You can record like Maxwell is a superb singer. Um, D'Angelo, most of the album, I was kind of like lost in actually trying to hear what he was singing about. Mm -hmm. He was pitchy and he was hitting it, but it just seemed like it hit. Why, why the effect, you know? I'm going to ask you guys, as, as you know, D'Angelo, is that is that his style? We can get off the objectiveness of uh, D'Angelo's, about that particular yeah. thing, but it kind of affected me as a listener, naked, <clears throat> to the naked ear on this, you know? Yeah. No, that's that's definitely his, that's kind of his trademark, if you will. Okay. And especially if you listen to his older albums, it's you'll catch it in some of the songs. Yeah, some songs are almost inaudible, like you can't understand it at all. Um, which is kind of James Brownish, you know, listening to him, I definitely think of James Brown a lot. Um, or like old dirty bastards or some shit, yeah. <laughs> you know, they, they just like in the moment and like singing. Uh, yeah. That's definitely a D'Angelo thing. Um, but yeah, yeah. This album is definitely very experimental, man. And we're, we're the last two weeks. We almost 
listen to like the two different complete different spectrums of neo soul music because uh maxwell is definitely very um it's what you expect of neo soul this album uh the d'angelo album is more of a, a fusion of various um genres even more so than than maxwell like this is definitely funk oriented rock oriented you know some hip-hop in there um i rock with it though i feel like jamila woods banged this like studying for her like J black messiah is way more of jamila woods uh lane than uh urban hang sweet or embrya um there's definitely more rock influences here more electric guitars and more of that organic drum <laughs> instrumentation. But I, I still think it fits under what my like takeaway for Neo Soul is. Like if I was gonna stand on a sidewalk with a suitcase and try to sell Neo Soul to people, my biggest message would be like, yo, it's not about the lyrics. Like mm, completely yeah. about the vibe. And the yeah. best Neo Soul people, the, the ones that are doing it the truest, aren't necessarily trying to wow you with lyrics. Yeah, there's there's some cute lyrics throughout the D'Angelo record, you know, some things about, uh, you know, feeling versus thinking, some existentialism stuff here and there. Uh, but really what, the moments of the album that make me feel like I'm floating in the neo-soul sound is when he is being inaudible, where he's just like morphing into the instrumentation uh, and just being really creative about his delivery. So um, I guess to start the review, I'm still in that phase of like, neo-soul's about the vibe. It's not about that. Yeah, no, I feel you. And I agree with you 100%. And I just want to throw this out there. The song Really Love, which is predominantly inaudible as far as what he's saying, the Really Love is probably in my top 20 favorite songs of all time. Yeah, man, that was insane. That was... <laughs> like... Bring that, the Spanish guitar, like... Such a fantastic song from yeah. top to bottom. It just brings me... It, like, speaks to my soul, you know? It's like... I don't know. It's something about the resonance of that song and all the elements, you know, that shit, like, it, it's elevating, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's like that. Cute. Like, the sentiment is cute, but it's explored in such a grown and sophisticated way. And it, I love how the, there's, like, episodes, there's, like, seasons happening within the song. Like, it, <laughs> yeah. like, develops slowly, and then out of nowhere, you just, like, hit this guy in a sombrero with a Spanish guitar, like, introducing you into this new magical world. Uh, yeah, it's really lovely, man. Yeah, I remember the first time I went through it. Um, and I tried to listen to these songs without um, following the title. It's just letting it go in the background and you know, intentionally listening to it while I'm doing other things. And um, I thought this was like two different songs. <laughs> um, but it kind of like like was steamrolled towards the end and the yeah, the the, the like just guitar like riff. Um, was like totally refreshing just came out of nowhere really well, he's like tickling it a little bit here and there but all of a sudden it just hit and it was like it's, it's like a combination of like jazz and spanish guitar and um it just mirrored a lot of how the other songs are structured it's just kind of this like moving piece of art that has flashes of different instrumentation throughout it that you know not one really takes the piece I mean, it's his vocals, just like I figured, like we talked about it on it's Jamila Woods. Uh, it's like the vocals, really. Like, it's not so much what well, Jamila Woods, what she was saying, that message meant, like, was abundantly clear. Um, 
but him like his vocals are like on display that they just have this heavy effect on it spooky in a way like haunting yeah you know and yeah. uh you know and i don't know what he's saying so it makes it even more eerie you know but like it's like around like i don't know like a skeleton band like real tight jazz funk fusion like just is kind of like up tempo i think one of the songs i really like is betray my heart has this up tempo jazzness to it it's not a it's not a complicated song but still sounds complicated and weird because it's i still can't understand what he's saying um once you get like, your guard down and re realize that you know i totally agree with ben it's not so much about the lyrics as it is about the vibe yeah for sure so that's definitely and, one of my main takeaways of neil soul also man and it's like although we all, i think we all have a super deep appreciation for lyrics yeah but this is proven that Yo, adult vocal melody and vocal delivery, dude, that shit will take you to a whole nother level. And you don't need phenomenal lyrics. You know, Maxwell's lyrics on Embryo were not phenomenal, dude. And I still, like, love that album. Um, D'Angelo, although I will say this, you know, it's, it's, I'll take it for what it is. However, for example, on songs like The Charade, the lyrics of that album, of that song are phenomenal, yo. And the meaning behind it are dope as shit. I would have never known this if I didn't look up the lyrics, dude. Yeah. So in a sense, it's like, yeah, I understand that. But also, man, it's like, you, we got to be able to hear it and understand it, yo. <laughs> yo, for yeah. real. Yeah, yeah. It's like writing someone a love note and then, like, dipping it in a bottle of water. Like, yeah, the sentiment is here. Like, there's something beautiful here, but you can't really decipher it yeah I, and i and i i think we were talking about this for the jamila woods how, album how you know she would kind of like be really like vague sometimes or like kind of mysterious and like mm. kind of like a puzzle in her lyrics to make you want to look into it to make you want to learn more about it so right. sometimes i think for, for artistic effects some artists do that like they make their vocals not that understandable so you have to go and find the lyrics so that you then become more invested into the process and the lyrics become more memorable but uh yeah i i, I always feel like that, that's a risky game to play because if i can't memorize these lyrics and sing to this song then i feel like i'm not getting the best experience possible yeah possible. you're not getting the best experience but it's weird and i remember the first time i realized this when i went to dr when i was like eight years old uh, I go to DR and a bunch of the kids are singing popular songs, but the words are not the actual words, but they're, they're, you know, singing the melody and I, I recognize the songs. So it was like to a certain extent, like, yes, to people that speak the native language of whatever the music is, it's important, you know, but universally, man, that vocal delivery, that melody of his catchy dude, that's where you're going to lure him, man. Yeah. So if you don't speak English, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, you'll be all right. <laughs> you'll probably get just as much out of it nah but really though like really love is is a beautiful example of that though yo for real like he could have hummed the entire song and i would still like find a very deep appreciation for that yeah what was your um like so it, what what if there was something signature about d'angelo in that song that you were like this is is there something in there that you're like yeah this is totally like only he can do this um I, th I think it's I think it's the almost teetering the line of not understanding what he's saying, but still being audible. 
and him just being soulful, man. He's like he's into he's interweaving with the guitar. He's like the guitar. He's like one with the guitar throughout the song. The main the main melodic guitar. I, I'll even take it a step further. I think what he does on Really Love that's so dope is that sometimes he is one with the guitar, but there are parts where the guitar is mirroring the melody, and it's almost like he's having a conversation with the guitar. Like, he'll sing something, and then the guitar will come in and kind of mimic that or, like, kind of contrast it a bit. So it's almost like he's so good at, like, developing relationships with the sounds that's that's embodying the track that he, he's got going on there. Um, I think what... To me, the signature D'Angelo sound, it, it reminds me of how I feel when I listen to Radiohead. And there are times I listen to Radiohead and Tom York to me is kind of like, he's like this beautiful goblin. Like he, he sounds angelic, but like almost like tortured in his like angelicness. And I kind of feel like D'Angelo the same way. Like it's, it's not pretty, but it's beautiful, but it's like kind of tainted and warped and kind of spooky too. And he's he kind of like, he's just dancing in and around that. And I didn't feel that way about him on Voodoo and Brown Sugar. I thought it was much more butter. Uh, I thought this was, there was something kind of haunted about him. And this could be part of the reason it took him 14 years to make that. I know he was struggling with a lot of like personal stuff and like struggling with the fame. And like, I guess he had like gained a bunch of weight. And like, <laughs> if you saw him in that 2000 video, man, like he looks very different now. So he was obviously like battling a lot, and I, I think it added to the character and his vocals, man. I think you, you can feel that 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 pain there, and I find it to be very beautiful. Agreed. His his voice, even though it aged, it's it, it very much aged like wine. It's like the the his struggles, in a sense, propelled him to his current vocal abilities, and even in the lyrics of the of the music, he touches a bunch on like on what it's like uh, before he was on these uh, he, I know he was a huge alcoholic he's talking about uh, a couple of times throughout the album he talks about that after fame is when he got into the drugs he touches on that in like three songs mm. but uh, yeah man he was definitely in that under that cloud man and it, and it took him this this many years to release an album you know it's pretty nuts yeah um, how do you all feel about just to like keep it superficial a little bit, um, the packaging of the album in relation to the content of the album, like yeah. Black Messiah, like the black version of someone that's coming to deliver the message of a higher being. You look at the album <laughs> cover, you know, you see mostly it looks like eighty percent of these hands are black hands. I think I see a few fists. That might be one white fist there. Um, but like you could look at the package in this album, look at the title, and think this is going to be a protest album. This is correct, some, like black power uh, movement. But I don't think it really even got there. So that's I, so funny. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's that was one of my main points that I wanted to bring up. Also, and I agree. And even in the way that this album was marketed, uh, and even reading. Just today, I, I just Googled the name of the album and themes, and I found, like, a Vibe review, a couple of those other big platform reviews. And they're all talking about it being a rebellious album. And I'm listening to the – I'm reading it, and I'm like, dude, did you guys even listen to this shit? You know what? They must be under that category of people that did not read the lyrics. So they're just assuming based on, <laughs> based on the music itself. Because some of the songs do sound rebellious. A Thousand Deaths is, like, rebellious as fuck. 
Mm-hmm. And I was a very, very straight, like, I don't know if this makes sense, like a straightforward, cloudy, clamorous song. I would say it's Thunder. Like, I've heard. I, that song is, like, confusing, too, though. Yeah, like, I was totally, like, lost at first. I was just kind of, like, caught up in this, like, windstorm. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I guess by the optics, by listening to the album one time and not knowing the lyrics, you may think this is a rebellious album. But realistically, half of the songs are about love. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, like two or three of the songs are about overcoming, uh, you know, struggles and things like that. I, I think there's maybe two conscious songs on the album. The Charade being one of them. Um, another, another Life, Prayer. The other one is Prayer. Those are really the only conscious songs on the album. But it's interesting how they kind of got away with marketing it as a kind of... Because they couldn't understand... Yeah, yeah, right? They couldn't understand them. Yeah. I mean, it's just assumed, right? Yeah, yeah. it's a stretch to say that, like, he was kind of rebelling against tradition, in a sense. Because really, I mean, in 2014, I don't really remember any R&B artists doing anything like this. You know, like in 2014, the most popular R&B artists were probably like maybe The Weeknd. Mm-hmm. Maybe Drake was in that same realm. Frank Ocean-ish. Yeah. But, I mean, Frank Ocean's probably the closest to this, but you can't put Frank Ocean in the same category. It's it's very different than what other R&B artists. Maybe he's rebellious within like the genre of music, but in terms of like, you know, straight up political content, that's there, there, there's a disconnect here i feel like the album should be called something else a different <laughs> different packaging uh, it doesn't take away too much from the overall listening experience but it could kind of like trip you up a little bit yeah, maybe he is the different. black messiah for some people maybe there's a population that like yes i've been waiting for d'angelo since 2000 correct oh yeah no it's very much that listen yeah. people that love d'angelo obsess about d'angelo yeah, yeah he has like a massive like cult following and that's like the effect of also leaving for 14 years. Oh, yeah. Right. There's the mystery. Where is he going? When's the next D'Angelo record coming out? Yeah, I heard it. He's coming out. I'm leaking it. This is the. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's probably so many bootleg fake D'Angelo albums that were sold in <laughs> 2014. Oh, man. Dude, on Spotify, this this album has like like millions of, of, of plays. Like, yeah, I was just looking at it. So, like, holy the, crap. The song with the least amount of plays is. Back to the Future Part Two, which has four million, but up <laughs> to thirty-five million plays. Yeah, like what? fantastic song. Wow, bro. Yeah, it's impressive. impressive. Yeah, yeah. This, this so as as this song, uh, yeah, the song, as the album, as all of the, every album we've listened to mm-hmm. so far has done. You just as I continue to listen to it, it layers on me and layers on me and seeps through and. You start kind of after the third or fourth listen, you really you're you're getting it, or you don't. And for me, it took it took that long, just like the rest of them. But um, yeah, I, I was I actually started to get used to and enjoy the spookiness that was. It was just a mystery. I was like, what is this album really about? Because I feel like it starts off kind of hectic and it's like a, a very expressionary and i really don't know what's going on but it's all up front and then it kind of like sort of simmers out and like it's kind of like this like fogginess 
in like the Salem common is like these, like, you know, it's like walking through the Salem common at night with like the lamps on, but it has like a fog rolling fog going through it. And I could just hear him echoing. I don't know. I just have these like, just like autumn twilight vibe. It's spooky. But I really don't know what he's saying, but it's almost like that. That's okay. I'm just kind of like rolling with his melody over a tight band. I thought the band was very impressive. Yeah. I also like that. Like, I get that vibe of just like the feel of walking through something where I really can't see more than five or six feet in front of me, but I don't feel unsafe. And at the same time, I'm hearing like noises hit me from different areas. Like, it's, you know, it's like all of a sudden, like the, the noodle is over on this side. I don't know what that's called. Is that stereo or, or, uh, Correct. Yeah, it's just all this. It's just like it's over here, not in front of me. It's just this hit me over here. Then this sound comes from this angle, and it all had this nice, you know. I just thought it was well produced, and that really started to sink in after like a third or fourth try on the album. Started to feel yeah. more comfortable with it. You know, this is such like a heavy, heavy album, heavy sounding album, I should say. Like this, this song, this album sounds best when it's like played at loud, ignorant volumes. Um. But yo, really? yeah, the, the, oh. yeah, I feel, I feel. I mean, listening to this at like, if I was listening to it in here at like half the volume, it'd be cool. But I feel like I would appreciate much more if I'm listening into it in my face, super loud. Huh. But um, yeah, uh, I, I think I think after this album, I'm just making the decision that if if we're listening to an album and the singer I can't listen to, I gotta pull up the lyrics off the rip, yo, because I the, I didn't pull up the lyrics for this album until yesterday. And then I'm realizing what the actual songs are about lyric wise. And I'm like, huh, that is not what I expected. Yeah, I actually listened to the first. My first listen is always just straight through no lyrics. My second listen is always with the lyrics, like sit down with my phone, like read the lyrics as I'm going through. Um, because, yeah, it definitely changes the way that you feel about the song, especially if it's inaudible like this. Right. Sure. It's like a Bob Dylan album. You can understand everything he's saying, but if you just don't want to. <laughs> you almost wish you couldn't understand him. Yeah. <laughs> can we put some auto-tune on Bob Dylan's voice, please? <laughs> Yo, thanks. Uh, yeah, bro. The, the whole idea of listening to this album loud, I think if anyone wanted to dispute that point, I would play Betray My Heart because Betray My Heart, um, I feel the way you feel about really love for Betray My Heart. There's this like one-minute segment of Betray My Heart where the bass line is just like ding, 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 ding. Mm -hmm. It's like just thumping at your heart and at your head. And he is like ascending throughout it. And he's not audible at all, but his the vocals are layering. Um, there's really only like three instruments. I think it's just the drums, uh, a bass guitar and an electric guitar. But there's so much of his vocals like swimming around in your head at For that sure. moment and if you were just listening to it whatever like on a laptop or god forbid you listen to this album on your phone just with, like the speaker on your iphone um you're not going to catch any of that or more importantly feel it and i think that, that that's the that's a big difference right now like i think you can get a lot out of say a bob dylan album by just listening to it on low volumes or on your phone like you can just because the lyrics are the, the highlight you can kind of catch those regardless of if you have heavy speakers, but an album where the focus is the vibe and the instrumentation, I think those albums are experienced best um, with either headphones or really dope 
really dope speakers but yeah but train my heart to me really like accentuates that feeling of like you know put the instrumentation and the vibes front and center and that's where you get the best uh experience with this album i agree with everything that you just said um and i don't think that conflicts with what i what i said previously also um but yeah whether i'm listening to it in the music and hear super loud or in the car, I feel like I definitely would like it better in loud, ignorant volumes. But that's just me as a listener, you know, other people are different, I, you know, it's cool. Yeah, if you, li if you live in certain neighborhoods, yeah, you can get away with that. Um, yo, so Libby brought this good question and I feel like we kind of skated right by this. Yo, what is this album about? That, right. that to me is where this album loses points. Instrumentation on point, vocal delivery on point, uh, what is what is what is D'Angelo telling? What's the narrative here? Yeah, I um. So it's hard to give a narrative when you can't understand what he's saying. But it started to as I started picking it up that it's really not so much about what he's saying. Um, what I guess I sniffed out pretty much right away uh, when I realized this is a not this was not even close to Maxwell's album from last week. That if this this guy, this artist, is helped pioneer that genre with Maxwell. So at some point, he could not have been very far from that tree that they both, you know, were orbiting. So it was like he went off in a different direction. So following the logic is very expressionary. Okay, what's he talking about? I can't make out what he's talking about. But it's not quite angry. He's just venturing around. I mean, I mean, the most common, I mean, soul, sure but it's like rooted in jazz. Uh, mm. Most songs have like a tempo, like an up-tempo, not, not so swingy, but it had like, like it, it felt like funk jazz fusion. And it was just different than the groove that I was expecting, right? So he kind of, to me, following my logic, he went off in a different direction, which to me screams that he's going off in a different direction. It's like expressionary. Um, and then I started thinking, and I did, I read up on a couple articles and was like, and I think I read the same one that, or one of the ones that Algo read and I was like, oh, it's like kind of like a rebellious, you know, he's, he's frustrated. I was like, well, because I think around the time that this was launched, Ferguson had just happened. Uh, there was some things going on. So yeah, there might've been, you know, tones of frustration, but it didn't have like a, it was no real anger except for maybe the second song uh, but it was mostly like he just wanted to do, uh, do something throw paint against the wall or you know uh he had a lot to unload and reading up on his history and, and after his like meteoric rise in, in the 90s and it's just the gap in time this is all just logic in my head and backed by some of the articles like maybe it was just time that he just had a brain dump and just had to let it go and then once he was in the swing it just came out and this is the result he had a lot to vocalize not necessarily say i guess but or maybe it, it is and i don't want to discredit and it. it's just i think what i'm learning about this album is that it was more about his about the, his music than so much of what was being said because it was kind of an audible at least that's how i felt i i, I to me, 
I don't know where the real connection is with the Black Messiah, unless he's calling himself the Black Messiah. Is he calling and waiting upon a Black Messiah? It's not clear to me. I couldn't draw a full conclusion. But I did get this feeling that this piece was, he's back. He's, well, I guess I'm not making the connection. Or maybe he is the Black Messiah. That's what he's viewing. Is that he's back and he had a lot to just say. But it was all feelings, not a message per se. Could be totally wrong, but I felt like he showed up after a long time waiting and just unloaded in the way that he knows how to unload. And this is the result. Oh, boy, that is a ridiculous. I won't even call it a can of worms. That's like a, a, a boat of, war of snakes that you just opened up. Is he the Black Messiah or is he waiting on the Black Messiah? Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a really interesting question to explore. I don't really get a sense of that much ego from him. I think if he was a rapper, I'd believe it more because rappers do think they are like, well, Kanye does, but like most, most rappers could have that, like, yo, I'm the Messiah. Uh, I'm the ego and incarnate. But if you listen to some of the spoken word at the beginning of 1000 Deaths, uh, there are a lot of mentions about, you know, Jesus and a black Jesus and there being that you know, thing you're waiting for. So maybe this album is that thing that people are waiting for. Maybe this thing, maybe it was the Black Messiah to someone else. Maybe he got sick of waiting. Maybe he thought like, yo, I just, 14 years, I'm just sick of waiting for the right time. Let me just kind of come out and like, ugh, spill this stuff out. Even though I feel like to say he spilled it out makes it feel kind of sloppy. And I don't feel like this album is sloppy. I just don't think it is very, like, open about its narrative. I think it's supposed to be a little mysterious. I think it's intentionally not, uh, like, giving you everything and all the answers. And I think that's by design. Um, I would have preferred something a little more in tune with the concept of a Black Messiah. Like, spell it out a little more. You don't have to like show me the whole formula, but at least like lift up half the paper so I can see a few of the answers. I think I would have tied it together better for me uh, in terms of the like lyrical concept of it. But in terms of what this album is about, I mean, I, I, like Raul said earlier, I see the themes, but like a big like, you know, Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, Back to the Future, Star Wars type of narrative that you can follow from start to middle and like all of that. That's not here and maybe that's a bit too much to ask of neo soul you know to be constantly like that cerebral but also like that emotional so yeah i'm not sure what the theme is i'm not sure what the story is here but i know what the themes are yeah definitely no nothing really interconnecting aside from some of the obvious ones that you named and, and it, maybe it is a little harsh to expect that of neo soul as we've we've kind of gathered that neo soul is so much more about you know, soul is in the name of the genre. So when I think of soul, I think first and foremost, the vocalist. We would listen to three phenomenal vocalists, yeah. yeah. You know, so I think, I think, yeah, I think that's definitely something to keep in mind when listening to neo soul music. But yeah, not not much an, of an overall, uh, you know, uh, through line at all. But I don't know. That, does that mean, does that take points? Does that always take points away from you? if there is not an interconnecting thing throughout an album? It keeps uh, 10 for not sure. always. To, to, to me, a, a 10 album has to have a narrative. Like, it needs to take me somewhere where I can, like, 
visualize a story. You can have an excellent album that doesn't do that. But like, for example, Illmatic. Illmatic doesn't have like a start to finish type of story, but like there's a mural being painted there and it's very vivid and you can like piece together the story. So even though Illmatic isn't a story in the sense of like start, finish, there still is a narrative there. To me, Black, Black Messiah, it's like too many separate islands that are only connected by the water of the student's voice versus there being bridges that like build it all together. So. Yeah, I guess, I guess for me, uh, a narrative or a through line throughout not having that, it, although it, I appreciate that in music, I've always appreciated that in music. Mm -hmm. So not having that or lack of that does somewhat, it probably takes away like a half a point for me overall. Yeah. It, it, it doesn't like impact it overall that drastically for me, at least. It's a nice to have, not a need to have. For sure. Mm. Yes, but there's also like I think it's magnified if you know, like there's no narrative, and then you also don't know what is going on in the album. You it can compound that and knock it down a few a few extra pegs. Just in general, I'm saying I, I don't think it totally happened here, but imagine if you could make out what he was saying, he or she was saying. And the whole, I mean, that kind of is what happened here. Yeah, I mean, it was really. Libby, in a, in a few weeks, you're going to be living with somebody. You're not going to understand what they're saying, but you're going to have to feel what they're saying. Yes. Uh, you're going to have to be very <laughs> in tune with that communication. So uh, I would say Neo Soul has definitely taught me to, you know, like read the lyrics even when you can't understand them. Like feel the lyrics without like being able to look at them and read them. Um, you guys want to move into final thoughts? I think we've talked, I think we've, we've explored this one. I mean, there's still plenty to talk about, but I'm, I'm, I think we can, unless anyone else has something they want to bring up, I'm just going to bring this to close. We can wrap it up. Um, I, I'll kick it off. You know, it's, I very much appreciated this album. And although I was, I had skimmed through it in the past, now having the week to really sit with it, um, I very much enjoy this album. I mean, it, it's 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 reflective of a lot of things that I love in music. Um, a dope backbone of drums, fucking beautiful experimental vocal takes. Um, after reading the lyrics, understanding the uh, song and what they actually meant, you know, it took it. I was. Definitely, it felt like I was spawned in a place where I wasn't familiar with at all. But yeah, I guess I, overall, I appreciate it. You know, it does. Although I love the uh, anonymity, if you will, uh, of what he's saying, it, it for me it does overall take away slightly from my grading of the album because if I can't hear you, dude, if I can't understand you. Then what the fuck, bro? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> at least, you know, try to make it a little more audible. However, that's D'Angelo's take. Some people may hate me for even saying that. That's D'Angelo's style. That's James Brown's style. That's, you know, so many other singers. And we did catch some scatting, too, a little bit on this album. Mm. Uh, oh, you know what? You know who I also caught throughout Sprinkles? Uh, I don't think we really talked too much about the influences of this album, but... 
Um, a couple of times on this album, it reminded me of the album A Good Get Together by John Hendricks. Mm. Okay. Like the more up-tempo ones where there was like clapping and a little more energy and were very jazzy. It reminded me of that a lot, a lot, a lot. And every time I would hear it, I would catch the same thing. But yeah, uh, definitely a lot of Prince influence in this album. Um, yeah. I, I rock with this album, and I'm definitely going to revisit this again, for sure. This is, uh, D'Angelo has a good trilogy, man. I wonder if we'll get another album from D'Angelo. Mm. Um, but yeah, grading. Do I want to? I'm kind of freestyling this. I'm going to give this a seven. Yeah. Mm. And, and I'm gonna give it, I, I wanted to give it. What, what, why did it lose those three points? Uh lose one point because of the vocals another point because of some of the songs i really didn't love a thousand deaths i, I could have done without i did yeah <laughs> I, I skipped it most of the time you know what i mean it's like um yeah i guess i guess maybe after thinking about it maybe this does deserve an eight because there's not many other things that i take away from this I was stuck between seven and eight. I'm going to go eight, final answer. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That, okay. There it is. Hit him, Levy. Um, I think that this – it took me a bit to get through it, and that's fine. Um, it's not the first time. Um, most albums that we've listened to, it's, you know, the initial – Washover isn't, you know, it's not love at first sight. Um, but yeah, it's this album doesn't like just like pull you in. You kind of you get to solve it. Or at least I felt like I had to. And then once you do, it's like oh, you know, you suddenly don't feel insecure. You don't feel like you're, uh, you know, you just feel a little bit more at ease with it. So I, um, granted, it took me a bit, um, but. I think a couple of things that I just couldn't get over and I didn't know if this was signature him or not. And apparently it is, is there it it's, he's just inaudible. <laughs> and we talked about it a bunch and that never seemed to leave me. It just kind of left me confused. And then it left me feeling kind of like spooky ish and, and, and weird. And, and that, that's, that's cool. That's the, you know, it's the vibe. That's like the, you know, this mystery. Um, but I wanted something more of substance and I, I, um, you know, this album really didn't have the grooves that I was hoping it would have, but it also had some fucking bangers as well. Some of the more up-tempo jazz funk songs were like, were there and he was, he was on full display and I thought it was, absolutely noteworthy and exemplary um just in skill so music phenomenal tight uh you know with with it just wasn't complicated he complicated it and that kind of took some points off for me because i just didn't it just was just missing that it's like here's your beautiful sunday and i'm gonna throw a little extra ketchup on there it's like i it should, that doesn't belong on, on vanilla ice cream or, or any ice cream for that matter. But it just at times, not throughout the whole album. Um, it just, 
seemed like I just was holding on to something and then I lost it and then I was lost and then came out of it. So anyways, I'm spinning in circles trying to describe it because it's still a kind of a mystery to me, but I put this album and don't hate me at probably around a six. Uh, it's not one that I'm like rushing to get back into. I will certainly going to go back to the Maxwell album. Um, but what's in, What's exciting is listening to you guys talk about D'Angelo and there's some height, some, some serious musicianship here. And if I can pull myself out of the fog and go explore some of his older stuff, maybe I'll have a different appreciation for the new stuff. I call it new because it's the most recent. So I think there's some highlights. I think he's been, is a, uh, a top notch musician. And, and like I said, I thought the music in this album was, was tight crisp and what you'd look for in a good album um but yeah i've lost at times and that actually took me it just knocked it down a few pegs and that plus i don't think there was any one song on here except i think maybe the door and betray my heart were really the ones that were like easy to less complicated and easy to follow so in conclusion a solid six 14 years just to get a six from Libby. Um, I think... <laughs> All right, something tells me he's not bothered by that. Yeah, this, this, this is a judgment-free zone, Libby. Please. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think the idea of an ice cream with ketchup is so disgusting that... You don't like, you don't like a little paprika in your ice cream, bro? Yeah, man, that, that's so harsh. I think the only song that I think I can even put that comparison next to is A Thousand Deaths. Um, because that one just seems so out of character. Like, if you went in thinking, like, I'm an experiment, and it was a whole album of a thousand deaths, that would that would be, I could not do that. I, there's no way I could listen to t an hour of a thousand deaths. So right. to me, the fact that he put it even on there, I think, was. I, I guess I understand the frustration, and that is like concentrated frustration. So I, I think that song has an energy that was better exercised throughout the album. I think when D'Angelo is at his best is when he's channeling his frustrations into beautiful melodies and harmonies. There are a few times on here where there are other people singing with him, but a majority of these vocals are D'Angelo. He's singing the main and he's accenting it throughout. So if you want a master class in layering vocals and like, having it not be super traditional and sugary and just like traditional, you know, turtleneck R&B. Like he's not doing that. He's not, this is not, this isn't making love music. This is very far from Maxwell in my opinion. So to me, he gets points for it being like, I'm not just going to like give you all the traditional, like sexy stuff. Like there'll be a few beautiful songs on here, but this, this is a song about tension, uh, kind of fighting for some sense of identity. Um, I do think there's a lot of songs in here that are throwaways. Like to me, I back to the future part one and two, eh, those almost seem like bookends. I can do without those a thousand deaths, like take it or leave it. Um, till it's done. Eh, like there's, there's just a lot of fluff on here that didn't in its own like individuality didn't bring a lot, but there are tens on this album. Really love is a 10 betray. My heart is a 10. I love the door. Uh, Ain't that easy is awesome. Like such a beautiful way to start this album. So I, I understand what Libby is talking about. It's confusing in uh, 
albums since because there's so many different directions that he's going in. And on top of that, 50% of this album is inaudible. Like you can't really understand it. So you do have to go to the lyrics. So if you're not reading the lyrics while you listen to almost a majority of these songs, it's, it can be kind of easy to just like not really understand what was happening. Uh, so to me, this album's uh, bark is way louder and more powerful than its bite. Uh, I, I don't leave this album feeling like, wow, like I got wisdom from this. I do leave this album feeling like there are a handful of songs that give me a very beautiful, haunted feeling. So like Really Love, Betray My Heart, um, Sugar Daddy, Ain't That Easy are all really great songs. But I want more of a concept. I want more of a narrative. I want something that was tied a bit together. You call it Black Messiah. You have these fists on the cover. Uh, I just thought it was going to be more. I wanted it to be more, and I felt like the potential was there. I feel like if he got together with Kendrick, <laughs> Common, I don't know, Jay-Z, like, I feel like he could have put together a better conceptual album and still brought that like haunted beauty that I think he had done really beautiful here so for me it's a six i think there's a lot of beauty on here but i wanted more of a concept and don't don't put a thousand deaths on this album please d'angelo you're better than this man i think then Louis said last week he's listening to the beginning of max come on man you're better than this he's better than this why is he making me do this so yeah it's a six for me i'd recommend it to people i would definitely play really love for people definitely play betray my heart but um yeah it's a six yeah. it's a six, 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 six. all right so nice job gentlemen that that'll wrap up our neo soul cycle i uh, get some great takeaways from these past three weeks and introduced to a bunch of beautiful you know three beautiful artists and um really have expanded my palette and my my ear palette rather i should say but where are we going next what are we doing now what are we moving on to what have we decided i know what we decided i think i know what we decided is tony on this tony late listening? late late 2010s k-pop <laughs> <You know? laughs> that's me I mean, we're already inaudible with the music we're listening to now. It would just be the right. same. Let's just do it again. Yeah. Um, do do we want to do? There was mention about alternative two thousands. Do some alternative rock and roll. It's not my first choice, but I'm down. It's an unventured territory for me. I mean, not what? Really. No. Yeah, no, it's not a, like, no, I'm like, I'm a 60s, 70s, like, well, oh, okay, I see what rock you mean. guy. I feel like yeah. you, uh, yeah, I know what you mean. I, I guess I, I I would like for us not to limit it to 2000s, because I feel, I feel like we got some good picks if we just say alternative rocks. Our alternative rock. What is alternative rock? Alternative, alternative to rock and roll. Rock and roll founded in blues. I'm just doing a logic check here. Okay, so it's okay. So it's probably like a, it's like the heavier stuff. Right. I feel like alternative rock is like the Nirvana's, the Pearl Jam's, the oh, it's grunge. I bet grunge is a form of alternative rock. It's like if all right, if you listen to Black Messiah, Black Messiah, you can consider it like alternative R and B. And if you think of like R Kelly, R Kelly is more like traditional R and B. 
So it's like you take the formula of the main genre and like just kind of add some twist to it. Usually vocally, sometimes instrumentally. Um, okay. The Killers would they be alt rock? I don't know, man. What's alternative about it? Is it just like different? I don't know. I need to know what that means. I feel you, and we also don't have to decide this right now, yo. I think we can. Let's decide. But we're not going to do an artist. We're going to do another genre. Uh, if it was an alternative rock, what would y'all want it to be? Um, okay. um, I don't know. So I, you know I, haven't I haven't listened to Nirvana too much. Tony loves Nirvana. Let's just go with um, 90s alternative. And that could be... Or do you not want to, you just want to do alternative? Let's just do alternative rock, but we can keep it really open. And then if Raul wants to do Nirvana, he can do it. All right, man. Sick. All right, yeah. All right, let's do that. Who's picking the first album? I'll pick the first album. Yeah, you will. Damn right, you will. It's already got it picked out. <laughs> no, not yet, but I'm looking through some lists. I'll, uh, I'll probably get back to you guys tonight. Swag. Well, gentlemen, it's been a wonderful hour of discussing things we love the most music and our days and how we feel about music can we talk about our days today I feel like we might have no you were very eager to begin i didn't get to ask everyone what the highlight of their day was okay <laughs> that's all right we, yeah, we we you know we hung out all day friday so y'all yeah. y'all got enough of the feels on friday still dealing with a massive sunburn third oh, sunburn on my neck I'm burnt like a motherfucker too, bro. Yeah. I got a not little not Ben John. No, no, dude, I can't believe you just took your shirt off <laughs> without. Dude, some... I have it. I gotta show you guys. I can't show it right here, but um, yeah. it's like I have like my guitar strap. Ah, like, yeah, yeah, I got a strap. Uh, like oh, burn. Oh. So I was wearing I was wearing a short sleeve shirt, but it was longer than most of my other shirts. So now my like you can see a clear like tan line like underneath my short sleeve. Hot. Hot. Yeah. yeah, chicks but... chicks dig the farmer's tan, bro. <laughs> um all right, cool. <laughs> That's a wrap, gentlemen. Until next week. I bid uh, you do oh, you took it you just took it right out of my mouth. All right. Peace and love. See you guys. Peace. Bye. Later.